0: Good morning. All right, who's ready to get into this? Who's ready Who's ready to talk about, about some conflict? Oh, I don't like that. Who's ready to talk about some conflict? <laughs> We're continue our, continuing our series, Good and Beautiful and Kind, and we've been starting this series the same way we've been reading this poem, and let's, let's take a look at it. I'll, I'll read it one more time as we get started. Um, it says this, I've, I'm so tired, aren't you, of waiting for the world to become good and beautiful and kind. Let us take a knife and cut the world in two and see what worms are eating at the rind. It's easy to think about something like conflict as one of those worms that's eating at the rind of the world. Conflict is something that is uncomfortable and yet it's something we deal with all the time. I'm a parent of a two-year-old. I have conflict in my house constantly. Hey, don't eat that. It's not food. Hey, do eat that, please. It's a vegetable. (laughs) Go to bed. And the answer is usually the same, and in this exact tone. No. Like, it's not, I wish it was more angry. I would, anyway, I'd know what to do with that. But my hope for us as we spend this time together is that we get a different picture of how to handle conflict in our lives. One that helps us see that conflict can be something that helps us build bridges to each other, not put up barriers in between us. And so our text today comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verses 11 to 16. And I also want to invite you right now, we're going to come back to this later. If you have a phone, take it out. I want you to take it out. If you're already using it, great. We're going to come back to it in a second. Don't check your email. Don't, like, nobody tweeted anything important they need to read right now. Just have your phone ready because we're going to use it together in just a couple minutes. But let's look at our passage of Scripture first. When Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ Not because we have obeyed the law For no one will ever be made right with God By obeying the law Let's pray together Father we thank you for this opportunity To look into your word And to better understand the role That conflict plays in our lives Father I pray that you free us From any ideas we have about conflict That, that keep us from, from handling it In a way that binds us to other people That builds bridges to each other In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to tell you a story about the first time I ever got into a fight. I was in third grade, and a new kid walked into my third grade classroom, (laughs) and I was all of a sudden very threatened by this person appearing, did I mention that I was also in third grade, yeah? So I was very threatened by him being there, because all of my friends all of a sudden wanted to know who this new, interesting kid was. One of them even went so far as to ask this child his name. My third grade empire was crumbling right before my eyes. And so once everybody got settled, you know, the teachers, the whole thing, oh, tell everybody your name and blah, 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 all that stuff. I didn't care. The kid got seated, and I turned around, and I made eye contact with him, but it was not to say hello. I needed to gather some information. So I asked him to put up his arm and flex. I wanted to see how strong he was. And so I must have felt okay about what I saw because the next thing I did, I gave him the universal sign for let's fight today at 3 p.m. in the schoolyard. Closed fist against an open palm, two taps. And it was on. Everybody knew because at three o'clock, everyone showed up in the schoolyard fighting pit. At three o'clock. It was gonna be the fight of the century. Well, the fight of the century quickly turned into the beatdown of a lifetime. (laughs) Within seconds of the fight starting, this kid was standing on top of me, pounding my chest with his closed fists. My first fight was over before it even really got started. So here's the thing. Conflict can sometimes feel like that. Like we are being beaten down by something. Like we are being pounded into the ground. Or... Or it feels like that kid did. We're we're ready. Oh, you want to fight? We're going to fight. I'm going to pound you into the ground, into submission. I'm going to make sure that you cannot get up at all. But it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. The other option when it comes to conflict is that we ignore it altogether. We ignore it altogether in the name of keeping the peace. Keeping our version of peace, which is usually not true peace, because it costs too much to keep. And we're going to unpack and talk about all of this, but I want to normalize two things, and the first one is this. Conflict is difficult. Somebody say, conflict is difficult. Conflict is difficult. Have you ever had somebody come to you and say, hey, um, we need to talk. When that happens, the rest of my day is ruined. <laughs> I will often try to force the person to have whatever that conversation, we have in this conversation now. I'm canceling every meeting. I'm not taking any phone calls. I need to know what it is that you need to talk to me about right now. Conflict is difficult. I know what it's like to be spoken to in a way that's not flattering and untrue. I know what it's like to be spoken about in a way that's not flattering and completely true. I used to think of conflict as this. Our series is called Good and Beautiful and Kind. I used to think of it as bad and ugly and mean (laughs) that if there was conflict in my life at all this is what was going on everything is bad everything is ugly and everyone is mean but here's the truth that we're going to start with today conflict is not bad it's not unhealthy the presence of conflict is not the marker of a bad relationship it is a regular part of our human experience You will run into people and situations that we don't agree with. People will say and do things that trigger us. They will touch a nerve. They will violate your values. And there is no shortage of stuff for us to be in conflict over. In fact, let's do a little experiment together. Remember I asked you to take out your phones? This is the group participation portion of our time together. There is a QR code up on the screen. You're gonna scan the QR code. It's gonna take you to a website called answerbycolor.com. If you are not a smartphone user, that is okay. You, can, you have a left hand and you have a right hand. If you wanna answer red, raise your right hand. You wanna answer green, raise your left hand. If you wanna answer yellow or blue, figure it out. I only got, we only got two hands. I can't do all the work for you. Also, if you're watching online, you don't need to do this. You have the wonderful chat section. The only requirement I have is type your answer with no commentary, please. You are not allowed to comment on anyone else's answer. I don't want to set off any issues on social media today about these silly questions that we're about to, to ask. So once you've got it, do me a favor. Once you've got it, tap the color blue and then just hold up, hold up your phone so I can see it, so I know where we're at. Okay, I love it. I love it. This is the last time that you will see only one color on phones around the room. I promise you that. I've got four quick questions for you. You ready? If you're ready, say yeah. yeah. Here's the first one. What is New York City's best Food. New York City's best food. Red for pizza, green for bagels, yellow for pastrami, or blue for a hot dog. Tap your color and then hold up hold up your screen. I see that hand. Thank you, my friend. All right. All right. I've got a lot of... I got, Wow. Wow. Look around. You can look around. Look around, but do not judge. Look around, but do not judge. I see you. I see you with the hot dogs. All right. I see my... There you go. There you go. All right. All right. Let's go to the... Let's go. You can hit... You can hit the word back. You can hit the word back on the top of your screen. Let's go to the next question. What is the best genre of music? The best genre of music. You must pick one of these. You must pick one of these. Come on. (laughs) All right, all right, I see. Remember, look around the room at all these different answers. There's like a, a beautiful tapestry of color in front of me. Okay, let's go to the next question. What's the best sport? What's the best sport? Is it baseball, basketball, football or sports? I hear you. I hear you shouting out answers. I am forcing you into my way of thinking. Pick one of these. All right. And our last our last question, our last question, what's the best pet? What is the best pet? What is the best pet? <laughs> okay okay all right so the whole balcony is our the whole balcony is dog people first service was like 90 percent people were like a dog is the best pet so <laughs> david david Callis, everybody david Callis. so here's the thing these are light topics Although I could tell, I, I heard it. Somebody looking at each other, making comments. I said no comments. <laughs> but some of you had some questions about people's answers. But what I was trying to illustrate is the potential that exists when you're in proximity to people for conflict. These are not things that people would normally fight about. Hopefully none of you are having an argument with your cousin about a, a dog being better than a cat. And yet it happens all the time. Conflict is a regular part of our world, and the more you get to know things about people, it increases the likelihood that you'll have conflict with them. As people start being honest with you about who they are, as they start telling you things about themselves, you start to find out, hey, we don't actually think alike. We don't believe the same stuff. Your politics are different than mine. Your way of praying is different than mine. Your way of dressing is different than mine, and the list can go on and on and on about stuff that we have to fight about. And this is what we see on social media all the time. Social media has created a platform for everybody to say what they think anytime they want for the entire world to see. And then people respond to what they think with what they think, and the cycle goes on and on. It's a vicious, awful place where conflict happens in the worst way possible. Conflict is a regular part of our everyday human existence. So our problem, I want to say this just so we normalize it. This is our baseline. Our problem is not that we have conflict. Our problem is the way we handle our conflicts. Our problem is not that we have conflict. It's not that we bump into each other. It's not that we disagree with one another. Our problem is what happens when I find out that I'm disagreeing with you. How do you show up in the midst of the conflicts that you find yourself in? Now, I know I gave you guys some silly examples, but I want to clarify exactly what I mean when I'm talking about conflict. See, when I talk about conflict, I'm talking about a serious disagreement around a meaningful situation. A serious disagreement around a meaningful situation. I am not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about remaining in situations where you're dehumanized. I'm not talking about sticking sticking around in relationships that are marked by a refusal to treat other people with dignity and respect. I'm talking about a disagreement around a meaningful situation. And when we look at scripture, you find conflict in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. There is conflict in the Bible everywhere you look. There's conflict in families Adam and Eve are in conflict with one another in the garden. Adam and Eve are in conflict with God in the garden. There's conflict between nations that are battling it out for all sorts of different things. There's conflict between the disciples. They're arguing at one point over, hey, Jesus, you know that seat right next to you when you get into your kingdom? Like, I think I should have that seat. No, I think I should have that seat. Friends, there's even a conflict in the, in the Bible between a person and a talking donkey. He's like, bro, why are you hitting me? I didn't do anything. That's the Gen Z Bible. That's not the NLT or the NIV. Don't, don't look for that. <laughs> the point is the Bible talks about conflict a lot. It is constantly bringing it up over and over again. And the passage that we're looking at today gives us a great example for how we can handle the conflicts we find ourselves faced with but how we can handle it in a way that allows us to build deeper, more meaningful connections with if we go about it the right way. In Galatians chapter two, Paul is writing about a time that he needed to confront Peter. Now, when you think about these two guys, Paul and Peter, they were the influencers of the early church. Like if they had a Twitter or an Instagram, everybody would be following them. Did you see what Peter posted this week? Like that would be the conversation. What they did and what they said Set the tone for how the church was going to function The church is brand new This is a new movement that's happening in the world Everybody's trying to figure it out And they're looking at these two guys Who Peter was with Jesus Paul had this incredible encounter With the risen Jesus And everybody wanted to see How they were going to lead And how they were going to act so when we come to this particular instance in the scriptures where Peter is sitting down, Peter's having a great time. He's at a party that the Gentiles are throwing. My man is eating all the food that he's not, that like before the gospel, before Jesus, he wasn't supposed to be eating that stuff. I think the way I saw it written was he had barbecue sauce on his chin when Paul walked in. But the, so they, they had this idea that the gospel ushered in a new way of relating to God, but Peter was also used to the old way. The old way connected him to the law. It said there are certain things that you have to do in order to be saved. There are certain things that you have to do in order to be right with God, and that way of doing things ran counter to the gospel that they were preaching. And so when James and his crew showed up, all of a sudden Peter didn't want to eat with the Gentiles anymore. Peter was like, I got to back away from this because I don't want to be in conflict with these people. Peter was completely conflict-avoidant in this situation. He changed his behavior to avoid a conflict. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to think about a time in your life when, you've had, when you felt that you needed to do that. When you had to stop doing something that you were okay with the moment somebody showed up that you knew wouldn't be okay with. it. Not that you're doing something bad. Something that's totally permissible. Something that's completely allowable, but you were like, I don't, to avoid a conflict, I'm gonna back away from this particular thing. And so what happens? Paul shows up, and he brings us to our first point about conflict, that conflict requires confrontation. Conflict requires confrontation, and I love this. It says in verse 11, when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. Conflict requires a confrontation, Face to face. See, technology has given us the opportunity to say all kinds of wild stuff to people from really far away. I can send a text message to somebody and shred them. I can leave a nasty DM to somebody who I don't agree with. But the truth of the matter is, there's a lot of people who say things online that they would never say to somebody's face in person. Never! conflict when done the right way requires a face-to-face conversation and is exactly what Paul does with Peter he doesn't give him the cold shoulder he doesn't give him the silent treatment he doesn't even show up with like a sarcastic remark that would leave Peter wondering what was that about Paul made sure to have this conversation face-to-face because what Peter was doing was too important to leave alone it was too important to leave unaddressed. He noticed Peter doing something wrong, and he called him out on it to his face. Now, I have to say this. That's, that's difficult. Can anybody admit that with me? Like, that's really hard to walk up to somebody and be like, hey, um, we need to talk about what you just did because it's not okay. Can we, can we have a conversation about that thing that just happened because it's not Okay. I have a puzzle about what I just heard or what I just saw, and I need to talk to you more about it. For many of us, confronting someone that way is not easy because it's much simpler to just be silent. Like, I will never address the conflict, and I'll keep anything that I think about the situation to myself. I'm just not gonna say anything about it because that's the easier way. Or something else that's actually really popular in the world today is there's a conflict. Somebody does or says something you don't agree with. Cancelled. Cancelled. I'm not buying that thing anymore. I'm not going to that website anymore. I won't go to your concert anymore. I won't talk to you ever again. You are cancelled. If I could wipe you off the face of the earth, that's what I would do. Because that's easier sometimes than confronting things to their face. Or the other way is, and I think this is probably the one that's most common, we triangulate. Everybody say triangulate. Triangulate. I love when you guys all say things together. Do it again. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But when we triangulate, we bring in an uninvolved third party. And we take all of our worry, all of our anxiety, all of our anger, all of our questions, and we put it on them. Can you believe what so-and-so did the other day? Can you believe that they are that way? Can you believe how upset they made me? You have no idea how much I don't like them. You have no idea how angry I am with them. The whole conversation becomes about this person. It can be really, really, really toxic and unhealthy. Triangulation, when it's done the right way, because it's not actually a bad thing, it's one of those things that we do poorly, but when it's done the right way, that conversation ends with, I hear you. Now, when are you gonna go talk to them? When are you gonna make an appointment to go and have a conversation with them? When are you gonna go and address this conflict with the person who's actually involved? Great, I gave you time and opportunity to process, that's valuable, it's important, it's necessary, but when are you gonna go and talk to them? To their face? You can do triangulation in a way that is winsome, in a way that's actually helpful. But the reasons that we go to these places of comfort are often found in our family of origin. In our families growing up, we don't always learn good ways to handle conflict. I remember growing up in my my house, whenever there was an issue, whenever there was conflict, whenever my parents had conflict, they would go in their room and they would shut the door and then they would come out later like nothing ever happened. But like I saw what happened before, I never got to see how you got back to where we are now. So I learned a particular message that conflict needed to be addressed over there. Like, I don't get to see, I don't get to see the resolution. I get to see the blow-up, and I get to see the aftermath, but all the stuff that's really important in between, I don't get to see. Fight in front of your kids. Let them see you talking through stuff. Let them see how, what it looks like for two people who love and care for each other work things out. You are not helping them by having your conflicts behind a closed door all the time. For others of us, for others of us, we, we, grew up believing, we grew up believing that the Bible is more about forgiving than it is about confronting. We read the scriptures and we say, oh, I have to forgive, I have to forgive, I have to forgive. I can't speak my truth. I can't communicate what was wrong. I just always need to be in this space of forgiving. And yet, time and time again, we see the Bible addressing conflict. There's a forgiveness aspect to conflict, yes, but there's a conflict that needs to be had. There's a confrontation that needs to happen so you can actually get to, conf- uh, to forgiveness. And lastly, and this is one that in my life has been really hard for me, conflict is sometimes tough because it requires us to be vulnerable. How easy is it for you to walk up to somebody and be like, I was hurt when you did that. I was really hurt when you said this. I was bothered by this thing. I have a particular value, and that value was violated when this happened. When you do conflict a healthy way, it requires us to open up ourselves to each other, and sometimes I would really rather not do that, because I want you to think of me a particular way. I want you to think of me as strong and sturdy and stable and capable and not any of the things that I often associate with being vulnerable. Now hear me, this doesn't mean that we get to destroy people when we show up. This doesn't mean that I get to cut people down and tear them apart when I show up to one of these face-to-face confrontations because good, healthy conflict requires healthy speaking. It requires healthy speaking. Now before I get into what healthy speaking means, I want to tell you what it does not mean. Because a lot of us have these really unhealthy ways of relating to each other, especially when it comes to when it comes in times of high stress or anxiety. We call it dirty fighting. In dirty fighting, we do things like we give the silent treatment, or we lecture, we call people names, we get sarcastic, we avoid, we engage in passive aggressive behavior. I could go on and on and on about the different ways that we engage in dirty fighting. The point is, when we fight dirty, we're doing things that disregard the other person's thoughts, feelings, ideas, and perspective. We just say, I don't care about what you think and feel. I have something to say. You're not gonna get to say anything back to me. It doesn't matter how this sounds or how it hits you. I'm coming at you with whatever it is that I wanna say, however I wanna say it. Instead, there's another way. We call it clean fighting. Everybody say clean fighting. fighting. We teach clean fighting here at New Life in our Emotionally Healthy Relationships course. If you wanna learn how to do it the next time the course comes around, take it. If you haven't taken it, Take it for the first time. If you have taken it before, take it again because chances are good that we, can do, we would all do well to learn how to do this skill and come back to it over and over again. See, because clean fighting gives us a way to connect with each other honestly, with integrity, with respect, and it opens up the possibility for healing to take place in our lives, for healing to be the result of our conflicts. And this is how we handle conflict in a way that builds bridges and not barriers. See, when I first learned how to do a clean fight, I've been at New Life for almost nine years, and when I first took the Emotionally Healthy Relationships class, and they did this clean fight thing, I absolutely hated it. It was the most annoying thing to sit through, because in my head, I kept thinking, who on earth would ever talk this way? If somebody came up to me and was talking this way and repeating everything that I was saying right back to me, that would be my second fight ever. But when I learned how to push through the discomfort that I felt, when I learned how to push aside my own pride and willingness, I just want to talk how I want to talk, I don't want you to teach me how to speak a better way, I actually learned how to communicate on a heart level with the people I was talking to. I learned how to communicate my values to the people I was talking to. I learned how to stop communicating solely about the situation and start talking about what was underneath the situation that made it hurtful in the first place. I talk to so many people who only want to talk about this happened, and then this thing happened, and this thing happened, running down a list of facts, and I'm like, well, what did you feel? Because the stuff you're telling me wouldn't bother me, but it does bother you, and I want to know why. I want to know why that bugs you so much. A clean fight, healthy speaking, it requires us to slow down and get in touch with what's really going on within us. It, it requires us to get in touch with our own value. In our, in our passage this morning, this is exactly what you see Paul doing. In, the, in verse 11, Paul is outlining for his readers exactly this, what the situation was. He's saying this is important. He's outlining this is what was happening. This is what was going on. This is the danger in the situation. It means that Paul had to take some time to figure those things out before we get to verse, you can go to verse 14, before we even get to verse 14 before we get here where he says right at the beginning I said to Peter in front of all the others since you a Jew by birth have discarded the laws and are living like a Gentile why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions the way you read this the way way any of us read this reflects our attitude towards confrontation because you can read this with a lot of attitude you can read this you can put some sauce on it man what are you doing why are you doing this this is wrong or you can read it the way Paul is writing it. You can read it in a winsome way, and I would even suggest to you, I would submit to you, he's having a clean fight. He's having a clean fight. Let me put this in the, the, in the four sentence stems that we use in a clean fight. He says this, I notice, uh, Peter, I noticed you were eating with and enjoying fellowship with the Gentiles until James and his friends showed up, and then you didn't want to eat with them anymore. I value the gospel message that Jesus lived and that he taught and that we believe we are saved by faith and not through the law. When you do this, when you change who you're eating with, I feel worried and angry because people are being led astray by the example that you're setting. Moving forward, I would prefer that you act according to the message that Jesus entrusted to us so we can be consistent with how we communicate our values as followers of Christ and not send mixed messages about how people are saved. He has a clean fight. He tells him, I noticed this. I value this. When you do this, this is what happens. And moving forward, this is how I want to move. That is how you have a clean fight. That is how you show up to somebody in confrontation and you're speaking in a healthy way. You get in touch with what's under the surface. You figure out, man, why is this triggering me so much? Why is this bothering me so much? And what is it exactly that I need to communicate in this particular situation? And then you share that when you get there. Because the way we speak to each other can oftentimes determine the success of a confrontation. You come in hot, I do this sometimes. I, I'll have conversations with my wife, and I, I'll just come in too hot, and I know I, just, I need to walk out of the room right now, like, because if I don't, I might not be able to walk ever again. Like, <laughs> and I, just, I need to reset. We have to pay attention to the way we speak to each other, but there's another side to this. There's another side to this. See, communicating on that level brings, it brings, us, it brings us to a place where we can be honest and vulnerable. And here's the thing. The invitation to all of you from God is to have courageous conversations. To step into the uncomfortable and have courageous conversations. And by the grace of God, you can do this very difficult thing. In the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do this uncomfortable thing, but it's not just about speaking. It's also about careful listening. Author David Augsburger writes in his book, Caring Enough to Hear and Be Heard, that being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. One of the best ways you can love someone is to learn how to listen well. And I used to think of myself as a good listener. Actually, I used to think of myself as a great listener. Listener. And then I found out that I was only, like I was good at waiting for my turn to speak. And then I found out I wasn't even good at that. Because listening with intent to respond is not the same as listening with intent to connect. Those are two totally different things and most of the time I find myself, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm preaching as much to me as I am to all of you here. I'm waiting for my chance. I got something to say. You said that. I'm going to say this, and that's exact. I'm not even listening to you. I'm interpreting everything you're saying through the lenses of my own offense, my own hurt, my own lack of humility, and humility is the key to careful listening because what humility demands is that we take an opportunity to, to consider this person might actually have something to say that I can't see about myself. And so, friends, careful listening is huge when it comes to healthy conflict. And I know that none of this is easy. I know that this is hard work. But holy work is usually hard work. It requires us to lean into the grace of God because it's the only way we'll ever be able to do it. And the truth is, we can all grow in our ability to speak and listen with love and maturity. Because here's the thing, I'm gonna call our worship team to come forward. Conflicts don't have to end your relationships. But sometimes they do. They don't have to put distance between us and the people in our lives but sometimes sometimes it's necessary. Conflict provides us an opportunity to build bridges and when it's done well conflict helps us live in reality. Just like I found out a bunch of you are dog people and I'm a dog person and we can hang out after but if you're a cat person I'm just kidding. Yeah, we I hang out with cat people too. <laughs> as we find things out about one another, as we bump into one another, as we share ideas that, are not, that don't align. Learning how to move this way, learning how to deal with conflict helps us build bridges to each other, and I get to make a choice about you based in reality. I get to make a choi- you get to make a choice about me based on the truth. If you want to grow in your ability to handle conflict, it all has to start with looking to God. Because here's the truth. God has already provided the best conflict resolution any of us can ever hope for. He did that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be... Come on, say it again. Saved. 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 The scriptures say that God so loved the world that he gave Jesus So anyone who believes in him would be with him forever. Friends, we were caught up in like a conflict that we had no hope of ever winning, ever. And yet the scriptures tell us over and over and over again that by grace, Jesus came and he lived his life and gave his life on the cross to resolve the conflict between us and God. And God is inviting us to to go all the way to the people we're in conflict with to have a face-to-face confrontation, to watch how we speak when we get there so that we can connect with each other and build bridges to one another. Conflict is a normal part of a human experience. Your relationships are not broken because there's conflict. In fact, conflict is sometimes the truth looking to find a way out. And so confront one another in love. Our church is better when we confront each other this way. Because there's too much at stake in the community like ours. Friends, you have the opportunity to speak to one another in love, to learn to get to know each other in love, but when you show up, be mindful of how we talk to each other. Our church is better when we enter conflict well. So I know this is difficult, and it's easier for any of us to go back to our usual way. But the invitation from God is to build bridges, not barriers. Amen.
1: if you can and your name is the I love
2: Amen. Let's give it up for Matt. Just thank Matt for blessing us through his preaching this morning. I'm aware of a few temptations that the church often and followers of Jesus tend to wrestle with. Three temptations. Uh, The first one is the temptation to use God to run from God. The second is the temptation to use God to run from ourselves. And the third is to use God to run from one another. In other words, we have a way of hiding behind religious jargon and hiding behind religious activity to keep us from actually living in truth. And so you see someone in which you have a Differing of opinion with, or you have something against them, they go, "How are you?" You go, "Blessed in the name of Jesus," and and it's just like, no, that's not really true. There's something happening inside of you that really needs to be addressed, and yet it is so easy to hide behind religiosity and spiritual God talk. Our congregation um, is probably one of the most difficult places to really uh, be at because of our immense differences. We are a community in which over 75 nations are represented. People are coming from all different walks and ways of life. This is a place where it's very easy to have lots of differences among people. And yet, what an opportunity for us as well to demonstrate to the world what could happen when Jesus gets a hold of a people. But in order to do that, it often requires an empowerment of the Holy Spirit which is why we close our gatherings with prayer. I want to invite our prayer team. Our prayer team, because we have, after uh, we're having a discussion in the sanctuary for those who want to stay and have that, our prayer team is going to be in the upper stage room. And so it's through that door and go up those stairs and our prayer team will be waiting for you there. And maybe you came into church today and you're having a hard time negotiating your differences. Maybe with someone in your own home. Maybe it's someone at work. Maybe it's someone in our church. And you just need someone to pray for you for a couple of things. Number one, to have courageous conversations. Sometimes we just need to be able to lift our voice and name certain things that are troubling us and doing so without needing to hide. And so some of us just need prayer to to lift our voice and say, you know what? I do have particular values that have felt violated. Or I do have a perspective that I think needs to be shared. But then some of us need to receive prayer as well to be people who can be humble and curious and listen some of us need to raise our voice some of us need to learn great humility to actually be present in those conversations and if we can do this right as a community with all of our vast differences what a witness to Jesus Christ it is one of the saddest things in the world to see churches split left and right because people don't know how to negotiate their differences and we see this in churches all around the world why do people stop going to a church oh because i have a difference of opinion on that have you ever talked about it no i I can never talk about it what a sad testimony that followers of jesus can't negotiate our differences well if there's one place in the world where we should have the ability and the skills and the integrity and the love to do that, it is the church. And may we model to the world what is possible. Some of you came to church today. Maybe you're watching online and something maybe has been stirring in your soul about following Jesus. I imagine some of you today, maybe you've heard this gospel message that there's a God who loves you with an everlasting love longs to save you and forgive you and and offer you uh, life and peace and joy. And maybe today you want to take the next step in that direction. There's a couple of ways that we can serve. You can come to our, uh, one of our prayer team members up there. You can also scan that QR code or talk to one of our pastors at the end of our service down in our lobby. If you want to just take the next step of what learning, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to actually surrender your life to Jesus. Additionally, maybe you Maybe you have surrendered your life to Jesus, but you want to take the next step of being baptized, of identifying and participating in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ by being baptized uh, in water. And so we'd love to help you take that next step on your journey. As I mentioned, we have this Lenten study, which is going to be in uh, this sanctuary here. So I'm going to need all your help. Uh, especially those of you down here, those of you up there, good job sitting on the top. But uh, if you're down here, uh, if you can grab a chair uh, and bring it to this side. So on this side of the room, maybe bring it to that side and just stand it up there. And on this side of the room and somewhere in the middle, choose a side. Uh, Bring it to the side because it'll help us to set up because we're going to have about an hour conversation in this room about what we heard today. And for those of you watching online, we have a sermon discussion time. One of our leaders will be leading a 30-minute conversation on on that as well. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. May we be be, be people who negotiate our differences healthily in a way that points to Jesus, to the fruit of the Spirit, to the presence of God among us. And may, in light of the world tearing itself apart, may we be a people marked by wholeness, marked by forgiveness, marked by reconciliation. And may we do it in the power of the Spirit. And so with your hands and your hearts, in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to the healing power of Jesus Christ, having courageous conversations and walking in the way of humility. And may God give you grace for all of these things. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the reconciling name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Grace and peace to you all.